Welcome to the Woman Warriors Podcast, where we're working to help you call a truce with your anxiety. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Now, here's your host, Elizabeth Cush, LCPC. Welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast. Today, my guest is Sharon Martin, LCSW. She is a therapist with a practice in San Jose, California. She's been in practice for over 20 years and has been featured on Redbook, About.com, Psych Central, where she has her blog, Happily Imperfect, The Daily Worth, Live Strong, Money, and The Good Men Project, among other things. If you tuned in last week, you'll know that we talked about meditation and how to get started with a a mindful meditation practice of your own. I'm also offering a free guide to get you started with meditation. Just go to my website, progressioncounseling.com, go to the guided meditation section, and there's a form you can fill out there, and I'll send it along to you. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Woman Warriors podcast, where today we have Sharon Martin as our guest, and we're going to be talking about codependency and perfectionism and women and anxiety. So Sharon, if you could share a little bit about yourself and what got you into this line of work that you do. Sure. Thanks so much for having me, Elizabeth. So I am a social worker and a psychotherapist. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area in San Jose, and I have a private practice there. Um, So I have been working as a therapist for many years at this point, and I've done a number of, you know, worked with different populations and a number of different things over the years. And it's definitely, um, you know, just progressed and moved in in different ways according to where I'm at in my life and in my career. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that the short answer as to what initially brought me into the field was my mom was a psychotherapist as well. And so that was definitely a big influence on me. Um, And really both of my parents really encouraged, you know, the ideas of social justice and helping other people. So that was sort of, you know, just a general foundation that under um, lies that choice for me. But like Mm. I said, I've, you know, I've done a number of different things for many years. I worked, um, with adolescents. Um, so I'm really, I really loved the work. Um, I worked with, um, kids who were homeless and on the streets, um, teenagers, young adults, um, tough, tough work. Um, and so what I'm doing now in some ways is really very different. But in some ways, I think that that was interestingly sort of a building block to working with the adults that I work with now, you know, just having that experience um, with young people and recognizing how much their childhood experiences brought them to, you know, the current situations, the current struggles that they had. Yeah. Um, You know, they were all coming from really tough family situations. You know, kids don't leave home, you know, when they're teenagers um, because things are great at home. They, you know, they leave because it's really toxic and abusive and um, really dysfunctional. And so Mm. I kind of got, you know, that, that beginning pieces of insight into, you know, this sort of is the foundation, um, 
you know, for not just our personalities, but um, the struggles that we have in relationships with other people and with ourselves, you know, and other things, you know, substance abuse and um, other mental health issues, anxiety, depression, um, you know, suicidal ideation, all those kinds of things were really, were really prevalent um, and big struggles. Yeah, yeah. So the kind of the, I mean, this is not necessarily the right phrase, but the building blocks for things in adulthood that then come to like maybe bring you to therapy later too, right? Right, right. You know, you know, those kids, you know, were really so much was just crisis work, helping them, you know, really get through what oh, was yeah. happening right in this moment. Um, and, you know, and now I'm working with adults who in many ways are, you know, their lives are much more stable, um, but they're really recognizing that they too had, you know, these challenges in their growing up experiences, often with a parent who was an alcoholic or struggled mm-hmm. with mental health issues. And, you know, and that was such a focus of the family dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, that it has continued to be something that impacts them into their adulthood. You know, and oftentimes, you know, people, I don't know, maybe it's sort of a fantasy or a wish that, you know, you grow up and you leave home and you're going to leave all that behind. And, right. you know, those issues are going to be done and I'm sort of can escape from all of that. Yeah. Um, but it's not quite so easy. You know, those have created, um, you know, the ways that we think about ourselves and the world, um, you know, and, and like I said, these relationship um, challenges, difficulty with trusting and, you know, oh, worrying yeah. and feeling overwhelmed and stressed That's... out about things. Yeah. Yeah. And managing the stress if, if, yeah, if you weren't, yeah, given sort of uh role models or even people to support you when you were stressed out, like how, yeah, it's hard to figure out how to do it when you're an adult. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's such an important part is that, you know, if you didn't have anybody show you mm-hmm. what, what are sort of some healthy coping skills or what are, what are some ways that you can calm yourself down? How are some ways that you can comfort yourself? Um, you know, you come into adulthood without those skills and, you know, they're not things that we just, you know, automatically know we have to learn and practice them, yeah. you know, just like reading or um, any other, you know, skill that we learn. Absolutely. Well, and two, like, I think, too, like, because we don't automatically learn them, and if we're not modeled or shown or guided in ways to help us cope, then we figure out how to do it when things are really hard on our own. And sometimes those coping mechanisms aren't necessarily like they were super helpful and helped you survive back then. But now in adulthood, when things aren't crisis after crisis, they're maybe not so helpful right now. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And and that's, you know, a, a nice way, I think, of reframing, um, you know, some of these traits that we kind of put into this big umbrella of codependency. And I think that often has a very negative connotation to people as if, you know, they've done something wrong mm-hmm. or they're part of the problem. But what they really are, are they were the best way that you know how to cope when you were a child. You know, it's something like um, trying to control what felt like an out of control situation or um, being a people pleaser and, you know, just trying to acquiesce and not have conflict. Those were things that probably worked really well mm. in that chaotic family environment when you were little. Um, 
but you you know you come into adulthood and you sort of realize at some point like this isn't really serving me all that well anymore um yes in some ways it, it helps me survive still and it helps me navigate relationships but it's creating a different set of problems right um and that becomes you know sort of where where the the issue is at this point in recognizing that you know I'm sort of missing out on almost like a part of myself um, when I fall into those types of behaviors, um, they're no longer helpful. Right. So if you could um, kind of give a uh, definition of how you view codependent, like what, so for the listeners, if they're not really sure what codependency means, like, could you kind of give us a little overview of what that is? Sure. I think it, <laughs> it means mm. sort of a lot of things and yeah. sometimes not, nothing at the same time because mm-hmm. it is such a big a big term um, yeah. that we use for a lot of different things and I mean it came originally came out of um, working with I think primarily the wives of alcoholics who were in treatment and realizing that the alcoholism was not just affecting the alcoholic but it was affecting the family as well and um and that not only are they affected by it but sometimes their efforts to help were not really very helpful um and that's kind of where the that's kind of where the negative stuff comes in around the term sort of the idea of the enabling and Mm -hmm. nagging and controlling and that could be part of it but it's not all of it um and like I said, I mean, it has really grown into a much bigger um, term, and there are definitely folks who may identify themselves as codependent or have a lot of the codependent traits who aren't in a relationship with anybody who's an alcoholic. Um, we also have recognized that a lot of these um, dynamics and traits get passed down within families. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's that modeling piece, you know, that... Um, you know, it might not have been something that was in your um, family growing up, but maybe it was in your parents' family, and they have sort of passed um, passed this down unknowingly yeah. to some variation of it. Um, so oftentimes we, we sort of think about codependency as a focus on other people and other people's problems. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of this outward um, focus, and that's that, that part about sort of losing this part of who you are, and you're always you know, thinking about and wanting to, you know, keep things a particular way, you know, just so, and it wants, you want it to feel predictable um, and safe. And I think that's another big um, underlying piece of it is, is this desire to feel safe. Yeah. And, and I would say, you know, for most people, that's really what I would define as like emotional safety. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely people who of course are, um, you know, in, in situations that are physically abusive and potentially physically unsafe. But for most people, it's, it's this, you know, sense that I'm afraid of what might happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and that often comes from the fact that, you know, scary, um, hurtful things have happened in the past. Um, and so we, we carry that with us and are always sort of, you know, on edge and, um, ready, ready for the next thing. Right. that's that sort of self-preservation piece, which I think we can all understand is like, I, I want to make sure this isn't going to happen to me again. So I'm anticipating. Um, but sometimes that's, that again is that, that part that creates the difficulty is if I have, 
you know, if I'm expecting that, um, you know, my husband is going to be unfaithful to me, you know, then maybe I am acting in certain ways that are, you know, you know, thinking he's, you know, being lying and I'm looking for that and that creates its own set of problems. Um, Right, right. Right. Um, so, so there's sort of the helpful part of the understandable part of anticipating problems, but also, um, recognizing that, you know, if you look, if you're looking for problems, you're going to find problems and that, mm. you know, and, and you can, you know, create things or magnify things, um, and just become so anxious about things yeah. that you really aren't enjoying life anymore. Um, right. You're, you know, you're worried about what everybody else is doing and you're, um, Yes, trying you know, trying to control all the other yeah. pieces outside yourself. And, but... and often it's, well, I would say almost always it really is with good intentions. It's mm-hmm. because you love and care about these people and you don't want bad things to happen to them mm-hmm. and you don't want bad things to happen to you, you know, and your, and your life as well. But again, I mean, there's this real sense of like, I want to help people. I want to, you know, fix their problems and I want to make things make things okay for everybody Mm -hmm. but oftentimes that's beyond our scope of control and so um you know it it may feel good and it feels like well I'm doing something to try to make this situation better Um, but it often gets very frustrating um you often get angry and resentful because your efforts to help are both not very effective and they're often not appreciated. Um, right, right, right. Right. Sometimes you end up, um, having conflict with people, um, because you don't see eye to eye on, you know, how best how to pro- move forward yes. or how to handle a certain solve thing. The problem. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And so how like, I was looking over the, your website and, you know, I know you work with people who struggle with codependency and perfectionism and anxiety. And do you see sort of either a common thread or a link, especially for women, like where these traits kind of interact and feed each other? Oh, absolutely. And Um, You know, and I do work with men as well. And, you know, men do struggle with these same issues. Absolutely. But I sure but I think, you know, women definitely are socialized to be the caretakers and the helpers. Mm -hmm. And so there is that, I think, added element that we, we have those expectations for ourselves, probably more so than most men. Yeah. Um, that it is our job to, you know, take care of the family, you know, to make sure that, that everybody's taken care of. And, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, letting people suffer or have bad things happen. And, Mm -hmm. and then I think there's, you know, there's a lot of guilt, um, that is associated with that. Um, you know, I definitely hear that from a lot of people that, you know, if I'm, if I'm not helping, if I'm not going out of my way and saying yes and doing what other people want, then that must mean, you know, that I'm a bad person. I'm a yeah. bad daughter or I'm a bad wife. Or, or I, like what I hear is like, yeah, that I'm selfish, that I'm, mm-hmm. I, I, I can't, I shouldn't put my needs first because then that would make me a bad person or a bad daughter or a bad wife. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I, I personally, I mean, I get that sense so much as a mother, like that there's mm-hmm. this sense that, you know, as a mother, you should just be selfless mm-hmm. and it's all about taking care of everybody else. 
Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> that's like when you know. think when you think of like the perfect mom, or you know, the stereotypically perfect mom. Yes. It's like June Cleaver who's giving to everybody else, and she has no needs of her own. She's just happy all the time. <laughs> right, but of course, it's completely unrealistic. Yes. That um, you know, both that we, we do have needs, of course, and, and we're just, we're human beings who have interests and, um, you know, things that we want to do and we have goals and, um, different parts of ourselves that we want to develop. And, you know, if we're always so focused on everybody else, then there's, there's no time for us. There's no opportunity that we, you know, unless we create it, right. Right. Um, to, you know, sort of be, you know, maybe a well-rounded, a complete person rather than just, I don't know. It sort of feels like there's that one dimensional element of like, you know, that's my only role is to be a mom or to be a caretaker versus sort of feeling like, well, that's one part of who I am, but there's all these other parts as well. Yeah. that are interesting and important and um you know I want to give them a space mm-hmm. um, as well yeah well and I think sometimes uh the resentment in relationships can kind of build from that like well I'm you know well what about me like at some point I've you know I've worked with some people who were like well you know I gave and gave and gave I was the mom I was the wife and now like here it is I'm you know in my <laughs> 50s or whatever but what about me what happened in my life yeah, absolutely. Really right. Um, and I think you're right that there is often, you know, there's a lot of negative feelings that get built up over mm-hmm. the years mm-hmm. of pushing down your own needs because they inevitably start bubbling up. Um, right. You know, your body, you know, is definitely going to let you know if you're not taking care of it. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> one way or another, it's going to let you know that it's tired or it's in pain and, you know, things, things of that kind. Yeah. Um, or even it's feeling anxious, like, you know, that anxiety bubbles up because suddenly yeah. I, 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 I think there's things that I need, but I, I don't know what they are. Or I don't know how to get them. Right. Um, so, so yes, I think, you know, it, you know, they have to, it has to come out in one way or another. And, mm-hmm. um, yes, <laughs> for some yeah. people, I think, you know, you, if you wait uh, sort of too long to recognize that you have needs and they're valid and they need to be met, um, you know, it almost sort of gets to this, you know, ugly spot of either, you know, you're angry all the time, you're stressed out all the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, or maybe you're just, you know, so depressed and exhausted that you can't function, you know, you're in bed and you, you know, you can't do anything anymore because you haven't been taking care of yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so how, you know, what, how do you approach this in therapy? Like with your clients who are struggling with maybe codependent traits, how do you help them, um, you know, work through this and figure out, I mean, I, I'm guessing a big part of it is like learning how to create healthy boundaries. And I think for women that can be really, <laughs> really hard. <laughs> so talk yeah. to me about that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I think the first part of it is really, trying to normalize a lot of the feelings and a lot of the needs and recognizing that they're just universal. Like there's nothing, 
you know, mm. unusual about having feelings and having needs and having interests, wanting to do things for yourself. And so there's sort of like this cognitive, you know, challenging and reframing some of those negative um, ideas and expectations that, that people have. And, you know, I see so much self-criticism, mm-hmm. you know, from the clients that I work with, I will say probably every single one of them <laughs> recognizes that they are so hard on themselves, yes. so much on themselves than they are on anybody else that they know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, trying to, you know, get at, well, why do you have this, you know, set of standards that only applies to you, that it would, you know, you'd totally be understanding, you know, if your sister or your friend you know, we're to make time to go to the gym, but somehow it's not okay for you. Like you should be, you know, mm-hmm. doing all the, you know, serving on every committee and, you know, um, volunteering at the school and working full time and, you know, expecting all of these things for yourself from right. yourself. Yeah. Um, so, so like I said, they're sort of like trying to challenge some of that, um, and change the way that we're thinking, about ourselves so that we can have really a sort of a more balanced approach um, and a healthier view of what's really okay and what's not okay is what, you know, I think a lot of it boils down to, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then sort of at the same time, you know, I really like to work with people in terms of trying to like get back in touch with who they are as people. Yeah. Um, and so some of that is is really just making some time to identify what your feelings are. I, I find that we're, I mean, partly we're just so busy these days that it's easy to, you know, be on the go all day long and not even pause to really think, well, you know, how, how am I feeling? You know, yeah. try to put some words to that, try to name some of those feelings. Because then I find from from there, you can more easily identify, well, what is it that I need, right? If I can recognize that I feel overwhelmed, then I can, you know, from there go, okay, well, what can I do to feel less overwhelmed? What can I do to comfort and take care of myself with that particular feeling in mind? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's sort of a, you know, that approach of understanding who you are and meeting your needs you know, you have to recognize what they are before you can meet them. Right. Um, and, and like I said, that other part of just trying to like understand who you are beyond your feelings, but try to get back in touch with, you know, well, what, what do you feel passionate about? What, what excites you? What are you interested in? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sort of practicing asking for that, going out there and getting it, you know, sort of some assertiveness, um, skills are part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Practicing the communication skills that um, you maybe never had or kind of got lost along the way, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, to be able to, to ask other people for what you need um, in, in your in your relationships as well. Absolutely. And then and along with that, being able to recognize when you're feeling like, well, I don't think I really want to do this thing or to help this person and being able to figure out how to say no. Like, no, that's, I, you know, I'd rather not, or I'm going to do things differently now. I think that would be really yeah, hard. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like what I was saying, I mean, there's sort of those two parts to it. There's like the actual skill of how do I, how do I say that in a way that feels kind and considerate and, um, 
you know, is going to be well received, sort of the communication skill part. And then there's like, how do we deal with our feelings about it? Because initially there's, you know, generally a lot of guilt and negative feelings about like, this is wrong. This doesn't, you know, I think that uh, people are not going to like me. Yeah. Um, Right. There's a lot of those negative assumptions that then get in the way of us setting the boundary or we set it and then we just feel really crappy about it afterwards. Mm. Um, Yeah. So kind of working through those types of feelings so we can get to that place of saying, you know what, this is this is an okay thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in fact, I can um, in some ways be a better, you know, helper better at all of these roles when I do take care of myself and right. um, don't you know, end up of, overwhelmed and burned out and yeah, resentful. Yeah. It's not about ha- having to do everything, but I also like to think a lot in terms of making choices and that we all have a lot more choices than, than we think we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we could, you know, when we choose how we're going to spend our time and energy, then we can put it towards the things that really matter the most to us rather than just sort of indiscriminately doing everything. Um, Because sometimes, of course, we're not really doing a great job when we try to do all of those things. But I often, you know, find that people, you know, when they really take the time to stop and think about it, they realize that they have been saying yes and doing all of these things that aren't really in alignment with their values or their priorities. Um, so there's almost something that's just very practical about going, okay, like you only have a limited amount of time and energy. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to put it? You can't do everything. It's just, it's not a possibility for any of us. We yeah. have to make choices. Um, and, we, and, we, and we can't please everyone with the choices that we make too. <laughs> <laughs> no, we certainly can't. Um, yeah. You know, even if we try and try and, do everything that we think other people want. I think we've all had those experiences where there are some people who are are just not going to be happy no matter what you do, even yeah. if you do exactly what they ask of you. <laughs> they're still going to find something else to be unhappy about, <laughs> right. right? So some people can't be pleased, but you also have to put yourself in this equation too and say, you know, what's going to please me is just as important, maybe more important than what's going to please other people. Um, and it yeah. depends on who the other person is, right? I mean, the the people that we are close to, you know, their opinions and, you know, doing things to make them happy, of course, is something we should put in the equation. But mm-hmm. oftentimes, I, I think we're just putting everybody in there on the same level, like, you know, I need to... Um, please my spouse, and I need to, you know, please the grocery store clerk, mm-hmm. you know, when, you know, you don't, <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. You don't have the same kind of relationship with both of those people. Right. Um, right. Some people's opinions, we do need to try to let go of and say, well, you know, if, if they're not so happy with what I'm doing, then, you know, I'm just going to have to be okay with that because I, you know, I'm choosing to not let their opinion count as much. We have to discriminate <laughs> yeah. in, in this situation that not everybody's opinion should matter equally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, because you just end up getting spread so thin and feeling like you're not making anybody happy. Yeah. You know, least of which is you, right? I mean, and that, and like I said, I mean, that's also this part of where you just lose this sense of who you are, because if everything is about what everybody else wants and 
then there's no space for me to have an opinion about anything. Mm. Yeah. Because, I, you know, it's just, okay, well, if you want to eat Chinese food for dinner, well, I'll just go along with that. You know, of course, what we're eating for dinner is not, you know, th- that big a deal. But over time, if you never get an opinion about where you go for dinner, you might get a little annoyed mm-hmm. about it. But, you know, often there are more important topics where you feel like you can't speak up and say, no, this is what I really think or this is how I really feel about this situation. Um yeah. Then it becomes, you know, not just about what other people want, but I, I feel like I lose touch with, you know, who I am and what matters to me because for so long I'm just, you know, taking on those opinions and beliefs of those around me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and their feelings too. Um, mm-hmm. that, you know, that becomes sort of dictates who I am as a person. And that's that. Yeah, that part of codependency where um, it's a different variation of sort of the focusing on other people is, you know, my sense of self becomes so small because I'm allowing, you know, sort of I'm sort of absorbing everybody else um, in that effort to make them happy. Um, Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think sometimes, well, and I know for myself, like that's where the anxiety bubbles up. It's like, well, you know, I know I'm feeling like I need something like that, like but I'm not getting it. And like, so then trying to tease out like, well, what did I, what did I want to do? Did I want to go to the movies or not? Was I just saying yes, because I thought that's what everybody else wanted to do? Or was that what I really wanted to do? Mm-hmm. You know, Right. Because over time, you don't even know anymore. <laughs> right, right. Right. Just yeah. so used to going along with it, what everybody else says. And again, sort of tying back to what I was saying earlier in our conversation about the emotional safety like Mm. that's what really is underlying that people pleasing is I don't want to make you angry because that feels unsafe I don't I don't want to feel criticized or ridiculed or rejected Mm. um, because you know that is you know uh, a not a tolerable place to go yeah Right. That that leaves me with the feeling that there's something wrong with me, that I'm not lovable, I'm not worthwhile. Like somehow that that becomes a, a real big statement about my worth as a person. And so, you know, I try to stay in that sort of safety bubble of, OK, if I'm making you happy, that means, um, you know, you're pleased with me and I'm I'm good on some level. Right. I'm a worthwhile, yeah. lovable person. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, when you think about that, we really are asking a lot of ourselves, you know, to move out of people pleasing and take that chance because it feels very risky yeah. to assert, you know, for some people, even, you know, a simple opinion about what to have for dinner um, because it's uh, it's associated with all of those feelings about your worth as a person. Yes. 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 So it's just tied up with so much more. It's not just the, yes, should we have Chinese or pizza? It's like, how are you seeing me? How do you value me? Like, yeah, all, yeah, I get Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, if you were to share something with the audience, like a tip or if, you know, maybe, um, if, uh, some, one of the listeners was, wondering if they were codependent, you know, are there tools and tips that you would recommend to kind of help them figure that out? Well, I, you know, 
The biggest recommendation I have is to get a copy of the book Codependent No More by Melody Beattie, which has been around for <laughs> decades. It's an old book. It's been updated many times, but it continues to just be a fabulous resource and I personally go back to it still time and time again and continue to get so much out of it. Wow. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because, you know, it doesn't say that it's a book about anxiety. You, you know, that's not in the title. Uh-huh. But once you start reading it, you will you will get this feeling of it absolutely is about anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And that's a big piece of that underlying um, codependency is is this, you know, feeling of, you know, walking on eggshells and being really tense and feeling out of control and worried about yourself and mm. other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so great book. I highly recommend that one. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that's just, this is just a quick little thing, but um, on, you know, there's lots of apps out there for, you know, meditation and just other mental health things, which are great. There's one that's called Calm. Yeah. And on there, there is one that is just, um, I think it's just called Breathe. And it is literally just this little bubble that you breathe along with. It's so simple. Oh, but yeah. I absolutely love it because it's not even really meditation. It's just breathing. Yeah. Um, and you just breathe in and out with the bubble that, you know, inflates and deflates. Mm-hmm. But when I am feeling super anxious, that is my go-to. Like when my heart is racing and I just need to like physically calm myself, mm-hmm. I like to use that. And just a couple of minutes of, of doing that um, is really helpful. So I like that as well. Nice, nice. I was going to say, I think before every interview that I do for this podcast, I sit and I just breathe deeply for about four to six rounds. And that gets me into a place where I'm like, okay, I can do this. This isn't. Yeah. I mean, there's, again, it's that connection between the mind and the body. Yeah. You know, it's like that we have to physically, you know, calm ourselves too. And absolutely, um, yeah, breathing is just uh, an amazing way to do that. So simple and so effective. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, so are, do you have any um, upcoming projects or things out there that you would like to share with the listeners? Um, I don't have anything for a while. Um, I have a book on perfectionism that's going to be coming out in um, January of oh, next cool. year. So yeah, it's a ways off. Um, yeah. But, but it will awesome. be here. <laughs> perfectionism workbook should be out the beginning of January 2018 so cool. um, 2019 sorry um, so yeah otherwise um, I've got lots of resources on my website I do a lot of writing so um, there's yes. always new new blog posts so people can always find those yes. um, I write for psych central my blog is called happily imperfect that I write for them and then I do some um, writing for other places and my own website as well. But yeah, yeah. I was going to say, you are my uh, hero blogger, I would say, <laughs> as far as putting out content that's meaningful and consistent and on point and on message. It's just really super helpful, I think. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, Sharon, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Woman Warriors podcast. And I 
look forward to interacting with you more online, which we, we, we're all uh-huh. in the same Facebook groups. But yeah, I really appreciate your being a guest and um, hope you'll come back. Talk to us okay. another time. Yeah, thanks so much. I think it's it's a great mission to, you know, help help people find themselves and stay calm and let go of some of those worries. So, yeah. you know, I think we're all in it together. So it's 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 definitely nice to be able to support other people um, in that. Nice. Well, thanks. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, Elizabeth. Take care. You too. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation and learned a little something about codependency and women and how it can create some anxiety, but also um, put you in a position where you feel like maybe your needs aren't being met. I think what I took away from this conversation and many of the conversations that I've had here on the Woman Warriors podcast is that it's important to know how you're feeling because if you don't know how you're feeling, then you probably don't know what you need in the moment and that can lead to anxiety and stress and depression too. So getting in touch with your feelings, really tuning into what what's going on internally for you is really important. And some of the ways that I've learned how to do that is to is to meditate and to be more mindful. So if you're interested, I do have a get started meditation guide that's free if you reach out to me. And I also have some free meditations on my website. That's progressioncounseling.com. Have a great week. Ciao for now from This Woman Warrior. Thanks for listening and subscribing to the Woman Warriors podcast. Music was written and performed by Andy Cush. If you'd like more information on this episode, you can find the show notes, the resources shared today, and links to the guests' profiles at womanwarriors.com.